0: The Truth News Network.
1: In a world where science fiction looks tame and reality looks bizarre, how do you keep your feet on the ground? Weighed down with heavy doses of the truth, I suppose. And where do you get that truth? Well, I'll tell you. Right here. We're TNN. The Truth News Network. And your roadmap into tomorrow is Dan Newman.
2: Well, it's very obvious to most people, it is to me, that disruptions are everywhere. And those things and a lot of truths sprinkled in are the things that we've got to concentrate on to get facts and then just kind of throw the bad stuff out. You know, when you go deep sea fishing, often you're going to catch all kind of fish, especially those big commercial fishing rigs and they bring the nets up there's all kind of fish in the nets they have to throw away the stuff that they're not after when i say stuff i'm talking about fish that were mixed in with the good stuff that sounds like you and me today doesn't it good morning everybody and welcome to tnn live yes i know the world is in chaos Everybody's trying to get a handle on all of the important things, facts with which to make decisions. Just imagine if you live today in either Gaza or Israel or even Lebanon, Syria. So many places in the Middle East are either in war or right on the brink of war. It wouldn't take a strong fire to get that whole part of the world burning. We've seen it happen before. We don't want it to happen again because right in the epicenter of all of it are innocent men, women, and children. War is never good. Nobody wins. Even if one side does win the war, they still don't win because there are far, far too great prices that have to be paid in war. That's why we should all be praying for peace. And where does peace come from? We can't create it. We can't figure it out. It comes from God. We have a massive show for you this morning. Lance Thompson's going to be with us. We played his brand new song that went national yesterday. He'll be with us at the bottom of this hour. Till then, let's just buckle up, folks.
3: And I know it's going to be a love. When someone else instead of me always seems to know the way, then I look at you and the world.
2: matter. Whatever day you're in, you can guarantee yourself it's going to be a lovely day. And that's based upon the fact that you make a choice. I'm going to make this day a good one. I'm not going to let bad things that are happening around me discourage me or cause me to look down at the floor. I'm going to keep my head up, trusting in God, making the right choices and therefore doing the right things. Those are choices that you make. You can control, on the most part, you can control most of the circumstances in which you find yourself. Sometimes you can't. I understand that. I'm not saying we have total control over our lives, but I am saying the part that we have control of, we can maximize the other circumstances in my life by setting them up to be just like the good ones. And it's based on, Decisions we make, choices we make. So, have you made a bad choice or two recently? (laughs) Be honest. I can honestly say, yes, I've messed up a few times. And I don't believe any American, I don't believe anybody on the planet is exempt from doing that. I think there's only one person, and he's no longer on earth in the flesh. He's in heaven by his Father. That's Jesus Christ. So, we have so many moving parts around the world today. We're going to get into a little bit of it. One thing I want to point out as we speak, the Republican caucus in the House of Representatives, they are now behind closed doors. They are going to start right now. As a matter of fact, they're getting ready to roll in picking a new Speaker of the House. We're watching it closely during the show today. If anything comes out of it, we'll immediately tell you what's what's going on there i doubt very seriously those republicans are going to be able to reach a consensus early today i don't even think they'll get it done today it'll be a miracle because there still are so many moving parts in the process we're told yes we're going to talk about israel let me tell you something let me give you kind of like um, a thirty thousand foot look first this popped up just a little bit ago in the Daily Mail. And incidentally if you're looking for news sources where you can really get good inside news on things going on in the Middle East, Daily Mail um, they're a European operation, but they have a big presence in the Middle East. You can go to dailymail.co.uk. Daily Mail, that's all one word dot Co. Dot uk. You can go there and get the latest updates even during the nighttime. If you're one of those news junkies or you just want to know what's going on, some things are slipping out that were maybe purposely kept from us about this thing. Now that we're in day five, Hamas leaders, we were told this morning, are split over the decision to kidnap scores of women and children from their homes in Israel With one faction calling for the captives to be released, Middle Eastern intelligence agencies are telling us that. Now, I thought Hamas was all unified. They wanted to kill anybody and everybody that wasn't a Palestinian rebel. The terrorists published some harrowing videos showing gunmen dragging screaming mothers and their young children towards waiting trucks before driving them away from their families. Among the videos was one that showed a helpless Shiri silberman Bebus, age 30, being abducted from her home along with her three-year-old son Ariel and nine-month-old son Kuffer. Her family hasn't seen or heard from them since. Another was student Noah Agamini, age 25, it was videoed screaming, don't kill me, as she was dragged away from the Nova Festival. That was a big, big music festival. A bunch of laughing Hamas gunmen. And they'd already massacred 260 of her fellow revelers moments early. They just started mowing down people at a music festival. That was on Saturday. While the Prevailing view among Hamas leaders that taking the 150 hostages would create support among the Palestinians and also be a useful bargaining chip for prisoner exchanges. And of course, we have Joe Biden in the White House. He paid $6 billion for five people that were being held in Iran. Why wouldn't Hamas, why wouldn't their leaders think, hey, we can get some of these people and Joe Biden will bail them out. Several Hamas leaders believe all of this was a mistake to abduct women and children. Some in the leadership are concerned that because this decision has been met with global revulsion, along with comparisons between Hamas and ISIS, our own president said that late yesterday, all this could provide legitimacy for a harder Israeli strike on Gaza. Gaza. And I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures or videos, but there is a massive military presence right in public view all across the border of Israel and Gaza. And those people that live in Gaza, you know, they're looking over there and they're going, OMG, what's about to happen? Several Hamas leaders have since spoken to the Egyptian government in a bid to Negotiate a potential swap of Israeli women and children in exchange for imprisoned Palestinians. But given that members of Hamas warned yesterday they will not hand over hostages until the fighting's over, a day after they would execute Israeli captives if the airstrikes continued, it's unlikely this faction could convince the others to give up the women and children. See, I told you, there's so many moving parts in all of this. Earlier, stories said that Qatar had been mediating a potential prisoner swap, but Israel and Hamas, they're both denying it. Since this all began on Saturday, Hamas fighters have kidnapped up to 150 people, including women and children, from Israeli territory, dragged them back to Gaza amid their ruthless slaughter. Among those abducted, was Noah Argamani kidnapped with her boyfriend, Avi Nathan, during an attack on that music festival. That festival ground is right next to the Gaza border. 260 people dead now. It's up 10 from earlier this morning. Video shows Noah sitting on the back of a terrorist motorcycle, her arms outstretched towards her helpless boyfriend as she pleaded for her life. She screams, don't kill me, no, 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 but the gunman speeds off. Noah hasn't been seen since. Her boyfriend, Avi, destroyed and helpless, is left behind out in the desert. He, too, is missing, and we can tell you story after story. Being a um, an outlet, being a Christian organization, we get all kinds of texts and emails I've got in my hand, you can hear, that's a big pack of paper printed off from massive emails and texts. I don't know how many I've gotten, but it's people sending firsthand accounts of their friends, their fellow Israeli people, some employees, some about their children. They're just being slaughtered. No care. No thought. I just cannot get my my brain wrapped around the fact that there are people out there that are so evil so in the middle of all of this have you thought when well, I'm going to ask you a question how did all of this begin what is the what is the crazy reason that palestinians and israelis obviously hate each other so much so much so You don't hear a bunch or see a bunch of Israel going after Palestinians unless Palestinians start doing what they're doing now. I wouldn't want to be a Palestinian anywhere in the world with all of this that's going on now. Every Palestinian is going to be considered to be part of Hamas, the terrorist part of being a Palestinian is to be a member of Hamas. That's kind of like ISIS. But people, when it comes to slaughtering other people, have long memories. Here we are. Look back at World War II. Six million Jews exterminated by Germany's Hitler. And we still talk about it today. I was over there not long ago. And I went to one of the prison camps, and it just ripped me to my toes to see all of the the pictures and the stories. They've kept it just as it was when the Allied forces moved in that day and took over that prison camp, Dachau. We'll be telling the stories about Hamas and these Palestinian rebels invading Israel for years to come and the horrors that they perpetrated on people. I promise you. But how How did it, did it even get started? What it was the beginning of this? I found this last night. I thought it would be good. It's not long, it's a few minutes long, but it is an explanation of where this came from and why we're still dealing with this today. Israel, it's the only Jewish
4: nation in the world. And it didn't officially exist until 1948. But many people associate Israel with its ongoing conflict with Palestine, a violent dispute over land, political control, and resources. To understand why, we have to look back a few thousand years. Both Jews and Muslims have strong religious and cultural ties to the region, dating back about 4,000 years, to Abraham, considered the father of the two religions. According to the Old Testament, God told Abraham and his people to settle in a land called Canaan, which is in the approximate region of modern-day Israel. In 1000 BCE, King Saul established the Israelite monarchy, which continued under King David, and his son Solomon, who built the first Jewish temple in Jerusalem. This historical legacy became part of the Jewish claim to the land of Israel. The land would continue to be conquered and ruled by various groups, including Persians, Greeks, Romans, Arabs, Egyptians, Fatimids, Seljuks, Crusaders, Mamluks, and the Ottomans, who called the region Palestine. It would become home to many sites considered sacred by Jews, Muslims, and Christians alike. During these transitions, Jews were forced to flee the area, creating a diaspora, a dispersion of people from their homeland. But in Europe, the Jewish diaspora also faced oppression and persecution. So in the 1880s, many Jewish people started emigrating back to the Promised Land in Ottoman-controlled Palestine. By 1914, there were more than 75,000 Jews in the area. After World War I, Great Britain took control of modern-day Israel, Palestine, and Jordan from the Ottomans. In 1922, the League of Nations approved a British declaration that promised a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine. But it would be more than two decades before that promise was fulfilled. In 1939, World War II broke out. More than six million Jews were murdered in the Holocaust, with millions more displaced. In 1947, after the war was over, the United Nations decided to partition Palestine into two countries, the Jewish State of Israel and the Arab State of Palestine. Israel agreed to the partition, and borders were drawn for two states, but many Arab residents thought the partition unfairly favored the Jewish population. Violence soon broke out. On May 14, 1948, the State of Israel was established, with David Ben-Gurion as its Prime Minister. Almost immediately, the Arab League, a group of surrounding Arab countries, rejected the partition and attacked. Israel fought back, and after more than nine months of conflict, its armed forces occupied much of the land designated to become the Arab state of Palestine. Egypt took control of the Gaza Strip. Jordan, then called Transjordan, took control of the West Bank. The original plan for a Palestinian state was scrapped. This historic event was a victory for many Jewish people, but approximately 720,000 Arabs fled or were expelled from their homes, many taking refuge in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. This war would be remembered in Hebrew as the War of Independence, and in Arabic as the Catastrophe. Tension between Jews and Arab Muslims in the region would continue for decades fighting between Israel and its Arab neighbors continued on and off for the next 60 years. In 1964, the Palestine Liberation Organization formed to consolidate the power of many small Palestinian groups. In the 1967 Six-Day War, Israel defeated the armies of Egypt, Syria, and Jordan and gained control of significant territory. In 1987, Following an incident with the Israeli Defense Forces that left four Palestinian refugees dead, Palestinian militia led a violent uprising known as the First Intifada that resulted in hundreds of deaths. After the First Intifada, Israel and the PLO created a timetable for peace, the Oslo Accords. Further peace talks in 2000 proved unsuccessful, when agreements could not be reached on issues like the status of Jerusalem, the rights of refugees, and increased Jewish settlements in Palestinian lands. Later that year, Ariel Sharon, who would become Israel's Prime Minister, visited the Temple Mount, home to the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem, an act many Palestinians found offensive. Violent protests, riots, attacks, and suicide bombings broke out. This period of violence, called the Second Intifada, lasted nearly five years and marked the end of any peace that had come from the Oslo Accords. The violence ended in 2005 when Israel withdrew from Gaza. In 2006, a militant Sunni Islamist group, Hamas, won the Palestinian legislative elections. Many countries considered Hamas a terrorist group because of their methods, such as carrying out suicide bombings and calling for the destruction of Israel. Hamas and Israel continued to clash, violently. In 2017, Hamas called for the formation of a Palestinian state using the 1967 borders. But it did not formally recognize Israel as a state, so Israel did not accept. Today, Palestine continues to fight for statehood. The conflict is further complicated by Israelis who continue to settle in the West Bank. Several countries have pushed for peace agreements in recent years, and many suggest a two-state solution. Though a peaceful solution has yet to be achieved, the region remains a place of significance for people of many ethnic and religious backgrounds.
2: Let me say this. According to Hamas, there is no longer a two-state solution where Palestine is formally recognized by governments around the world as a independent nation. It's not going to happen because of what they do. And of course, Israel is going to still be Israel. So what does that mean? Hamas is saying they're going to kill every Jew. And they've got help from up north. Another splinter faction of terrorists, Hezbollah. And what everybody knows is Iran is the nation that is pulling the strings for both Hamas and Hezbollah. Now, what does pulling the strings mean? In this case, it's money. Iran actively, they don't even try to hide it. They fund Hamas and they fund Hezbollah with weapons, money, 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 weapons, money, money. And those two terrorist organizations have become the tools used by Iran to go after the little Satan. That's right, Iranians, the leaders there, they call Israel the little Satan and guess what they call the United States of America? The big Satan. And so among pretty much everybody from top to bottom in Iran, you hear this all the time, cries of death to America, death to the great Satan. If you really let this overtake your mind and you accept the worry and the fear, it'll drive you crazy. Because all of this is pretty much out of the hands of the United States of America, with the exceptions of our leaders, the ones that can make choices and decisions to get involved and how to get involved, if to get involved at all, in all of these things. Our president, he's basically been absent. This whole thing started overnight Friday, in the early morning hours of Saturday. We didn't hear from President Biden Saturday, Sunday, Monday. He actually came back in on Tuesday. And that has frosted many, many Americans out of frustration. It's like he doesn't care. And then when he does come out and he gives his speech, he went after Hamas. Oh, my gosh. He called him every name he could think of, ugly name butchers, thugs, not one time did he mention the arbiters, the ones behind that are pushing and making all this happen. That would be Iran. Now, you know who Kayleigh McEnany is. She was Donald Trump's, she worked in his campaign, and then she became the White House press secretary. She's very, very astute, very knowledgeable she was on with Jesse Waters last night on Fox News. This little segment, you will hear you won't question where Kaylee McEnany is in her thoughts about all this.:
5: Former White House press secretary and outnumbered co-host Kaylee McEnany joins me now. Does Joe Biden understand the gravity of the situation where we have American hostages in the Gaza Strip held by Hamas?
6: No, he doesn't. The president of the United States did a 72 hour vanishing act. This president went to a barbecue on Sunday. This president had a holiday on Monday. You know who didn't have a holiday on Monday? The hostages. Hostages don't get holidays. What happened in that 72 hour period where our commander in chief vanished? We learned about 40 dead babies, some of whom have been decapitated. We learned about a nine-month-old that got abducted. My 10-month-old is upstairs sleeping. He was fed five times today. His diaper changed I don't know how many times. Do you think that nine-month-old is being fed? Of course he's not, Jesse. We learned, God forbid, a, a mom who was murdered, whose baby was attached by an umbilical cord, visibly shot by Hamas, and our president couldn't find his way to a microphone? I don't care if you can't get to the Oval Joe, I don't care if you can't get to the podium. Gosh, press staff, bring a microphone to his bedside. He should have addressed to this country, we have American hostages, we have Americans killed. Our commander-in-chief chose to be Houdini instead of the commander of this country and the leader of the free world. It's despicable. And his remarks today, no mention of Iran, no deliverables, no excuse. Yes, he had a few strong words for the terrorist. He had strong words on behalf of Israel. Words are cheap, Joe Biden. I need to see action. He did not meet the emotional moment that this
5: required. He didn't meet the emotional moment of the world, this country. And I'm, I'm worried, Kaylee, that he's going to be tempted to kind of ignore the hostage situation and make sure that the media doesn't cover it and pivot to other things. Right now, this should be his number one focus. Do you think this is his number one focus? Because his people are saying global warming is.
6: Yeah, I I think that that is closer to his number one focus. I think his number one focus is winning the election next year. And the entire opening of Politico this morning was about the massive pressure on Joe Biden by his left flank. How can he stay the course when Ilhan Omar and AOC and the media, Jesse, right now the media is being forced to talk to the victims? What happens in five days, as a Democrat congressman said anonymously to Politico, when they stop talking to victims, when they stop showing these images, when the media does what they always do and the left does what they always do, they do a heel turn and they throw Israel under the bus and it all becomes... About the Palestinians. There's no moral equivalency here. As you said, this is terrorist versus Israel. It is not nation versus nation. But wait, wait, give it four days, five days. The media is going to change on this. And Joe Biden, I hope he doesn't change with him.
5: No, we won't. And we're not going to let him forget about this. This is serious business. We got to get these guys back. Kaylee, thank you so much.
2: I wonder how Kaylee really feels about all this. Oh my gosh, we could go on for days and days and days about this. We're not going to do it. I told you, if you were late coming on, Lance Thompson, songwriter from Shreveport, Louisiana, wrote a song that was released day before yesterday, well, actually yesterday, I'm sorry, was released yesterday, and it's a really good song, really good song. Lance is going to join us in just a couple of minutes after this break, and he's going to Tell us how this all came to be. Tell us about the song and what he and his wife, Renee, are all about. They call me Uncle Dan. We're that close. But Lance, you're going to hear him and then hear this song. You're going to like this. It's really a nice way to kind of think about something else for just a few minutes.
6: Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the three ninety six-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. <laughs>
7: DJ sandwich in the house. what did he say? Italian BMT, 399
8: dollars I called the EMT. Turkey $3.99. How much? $3.99. $3.99. $3.99. Bingo! Bingo. Oh. Make it what you want. Limited time at participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras. Plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied.
6: At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion. For emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you could see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology. Exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced Home Security, 24-7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
1: Ladies, we ask your forgiveness.
4: Please forgive! Our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of
1: us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers
7: like primates. Forgive for taking a no
4: as a yes for insisting on playing a guitar
7: that doesn't exist. And please forgive us for never washing our hands, ever. Schneider, the veer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process.
2: So here we are. It is Wednesday in Shreveport, Louisiana. And joining us on the phone now is Lance Thompson. He calls me, he and his wife both call me Uncle Dan. Good morning, Lance. How are you? <laughs> hey,
0: Uncle Dan, I'm
2: doing well by okay. the grace of God. I have told everybody about you. Uh we played the oh, song. Cool. We played the song, your song twice on the show yesterday and we're going to wow. we're going to hear it after Again, the people that weren't here yesterday, uh, we're oh, going to hear it right movie. afterwards. But I want to find out where all of this came from. I've known you for a long time. He's a great Christian right. young man, African-American. He is a great dancer. He's a good musician. And <laughs> and uh, he's got a lot of things going on. He's a mover shaker, as is Verne. And Vernay, by the way, is one of the most beautiful women on the planet.
1: Uh, by the grace of God, yes, she is.
2: Uh, uh, uh two weeks ago we went to a movie the new movie about the duck dynasty and what duck dynasty was really all about and i was with five other people and about halfway through the movie we all s- sat forward and said that's verne that's verne she was in <laughs> she co-starred in that movie i didn't even know she was in it but yeah. tell, tell us a little bit about what you're doing with your life right now and how this new song plays into it
0: Absolutely. Uh, Well, I've been singing and dancing since I was three years old. I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana, and uh, life has just been an amazing journey of ups and downs. And God has been uh, just orchestrating things uh, so beautifully as he does, because he is the master and he creates the masterpiece of life that we get to walk in daily. So music came about at an early age. And at at that time, I did not know that I would be using it. For God's glory, to be honest, but as life continued to go and I continue to grow in the Lord through word, prayer and fellowship, God just revealed to me that hey, the dream you had at three years old about being in stadiums about impacting people and spreading uh, the message of love through your music, I'm going to use it uh, for my glory, and it's going to be something that's going to benefit the kingdom. So that's just where I am right now. That's where I've been walking for for many years. And I've been blessed with an amazing wife. She is one of the best things that I have ever received. It's something that I prayed for and God honored that prayer. And I'm just so grateful. Uh, And the song Yes, No, Maybe So came out of the experience of me meeting my wife for the first time. Um, in the eyesight of wanting to pursue her in a relationship. My <laughs> wife and I had met each other. <laughs> we, we met each other through church, uh, through Streetport Community Church, uh, where we attend and we serve. Uh, we met each other, and we had known each other for a while, had become friends, and uh, see if she's an actor, as Uncle Dan mentioned earlier. And I was pursuing acting at the time, so I was com- uh, commuting back and forth to New Orleans and to Austin and to Dallas to do uh, what you call a casting calls. Uh, Basically, their are auditions to be in movies and television, film uh, in general. So we would talk uh, here and there about our experiences of her traveling to New Orleans, doing auditions and me doing it just in passing. But it was it never dawned on me that eventually this woman (laughs) would be my wife, because at that time I was praying to the Lord for a Proverbs 31 woman to come into my life and to become my wife, uh, not knowing that it would be Verne's. Uh, at that time so this song is really about when God spoke to me through the Holy Spirit and said this is the woman that I'm going to have you do life with This is the woman that I'm going to have you spend the rest of your life with. And this is me approaching her in probably, in a worldly sense, probably a very weird and creepy way for a guy to approach a woman like this. But but when you're in Christ, it's something that you kind of take a step back and say, okay, if Holy Spirit is leading it, let's see where it goes. Because Holy Spirit will never lead you down the wrong path. So I remember walking up to her car one day. We had just got through serving at the rescue mission downtown. And I was walking into her car, and I opened her door, and I said, hey, I just want to let you know this. Don't think that I'm weird, but I got to tell you this because the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this. Um, you will be my wife one day. Now, at this time, we were not dating. You you will be my wife one day. And um, the Lord said, we will do life together, and we will be world changers for the kingdom. And she looks back at me and is like, um, okay, that's <laughs> all right. And and so that's what the song Yes, No, Maybe So came about. It was about me basically confessing that, hey, I have feelings for you. Holy Spirit says you're going to be my wife. And basically, do you like me? Yes, no, or maybe so.
2: Well, I want to play the song right now. Now, I didn't plan on doing this. I was going to do it after you and I finished this conversation. But you (laughs) set it up to listen. And so I want to play it. Lance, you will not be able to hear it coming through our communication devices with each other. But I think you know the song already.
0: (laughs) I think I do. (laughs) All right,
2: here's Lance Thompson. Yes, no, maybe. hear it lance it just curls my toes
0: (laughs) oh praise god (laughs) i
2: I hadn't said anything about this but let me ask you your 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 song was just played not just in shreveport louisiana not just in the united states i looked we have people in australia and new zealand wow and parts of europe that just heard for the first time yes no maybe by lance thompson how about
0: that buddy Wow. Wow. Well, well, hello, Australia, New Zealand, <laughs> Europe. Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah. Yes, no, maybe so. We released the song yesterday. And uh, man, God has just been really, really so good. And I'm, I'm just glad people are enjoying it, sharing it with their friends and family and being able to dance around the living room for it. So uh, it's just a good a, a good song. want to give you a good feeling and just make you feel happy.
2: So let me ask you a question and we'll come back to the song at the end of this. But you and Brene yes, have kind of moved on to a little different calling while you're doing the music at the same time. And it has to do with reaching out to young people. Tell us what this is all about. What are you doing?
0: Absolutely. Well, my wife and I, uh, we have started another company outside of our production company, LBT Enterprise. We have a company called Dream Big Interactive Initiative. And what it does, it allows myself as Lance Thompson, the entertainer, to go into elementary school. So this is grade, this is pre-K through fifth grade. And we get to go talk to children about dreams, about what a dream is, how important dreams are. And more importantly, how do you take these simple steps? We have three steps that we share with them. Uh, How you take these three steps, apply it in your life, to achieve your dream. And it's just been such a blessing, not just to our lives, but out of the responses we've gotten back from children, we've actually received multiple emails now uh, from children at the schools that we visited, asking questions, asking personal questions, telling us about how um, us coming to have a motivational speaking moment with them, as well as putting on a production. I performed for them. I've seen some of my songs for them. How much that meant to them and how much it meant to their parents. They're, we had one young lady, she emailed us and said she couldn't wait to go home and tell her mom all about it. We had another young lady that same day we came to her school. She had to go to gymnastics practice later on that day. And she was having trouble doing her dismount. And she said she remembered the words that I was telling to the group of kids. And she said she was able to do her dismount that day. So just to plant that seed of hope that seed of endurance, that seed that, A, things really can become reality once you set your mind on the goal and you apply these basic principles. There's so much power in believing in yourself and there's so much power in in understanding the importance of a seed, watering a seed and allowing God to let it grow.
2: That's pretty incredible. You're doing that you're pouring your life and your experiences as an African American young man growing up in the South and we all know what stigmatism that goes with that and you're you're making it, you're not angry, you're not lashing out at the world around you, you're making things work in the place where you find yourself and doing it with God's leadership.
0: Everybody, Uh, everybody
2: needs to know about this,
0: everybody does. Yes, sir. One, one thing that, Uncle Dan, that you said uh, so beautifully, um, being an African-American young man growing up in the South, <clears throat> we all know through history, uh, we've all gone through, all of us that have gone through grade school, we all know the history of the South and racism and we, we, we know all these things. But to be a young man that grew up in Triple, Louisiana, uh, I've had every opportunity as an African-American. Uh, to go towards my dreams, to educate myself to the highest level. Uh, I'm talking from from elementary school, middle school, even to high school. My elementary school was South Highlands Elementary School, and I had to test into elementary school. Um, I tested in, and I was around people of all different colors. I was around teachers that were loving and caring and poured into me really wanted me to grasp the foundation of education. That way I could move forward in life and be anything that I wanted to be, whether it was a doctor, a veterinarian, a singer, a professional uh, athlete. The sky was never the limit because we pushed past the sky. We were shooting towards outer space uh, in every every school school setting I was in, from elementary school, middle school, and high school. So there, I want to say, while I have the opportunity to, that no matter what your skin color is, no matter what your background is, no matter where your family comes from in America, because we're basically a melting pot of immigrants that came here, and this is everyone, and everyone has the same equal opportunities, especially today in 2023. There should be no limitations on how far you move in education, how far you move in your skill set, how far you move in your career. The sky is not the limit in 2023 for anyone. You can push past the sky.
2: My friend, those are great words from a young man. Thank you for sharing that. I know we have lots of moms and dads that are listening in from all kinds of different backgrounds. They look at the world around us today. I mean, everybody's talking about this crazy stuff that's happening in Israel and uh, Hamas taking killing slaughtering people you can get caught Ooh. up in circumstances but you can also look down the road and make your life better than it is right now by making the right choices and Absolutely. lance you and Vernay, and your productions you're pouring that into the lives and the minds of young people that is admirable because they're not getting much of that from any other source thank you for mm. that
0: Mm, By the grace of God. Thank you, Uncle Dan. Listen, thank you for joining uh,
2: us here today. Before we get away, how can people get their hands on the song Yes, No, Maybe?
0: They can uh, find Yes, No, Maybe, So on all music platforms. So if you use Spotify, if you utilize Amazon Music, if you utilize Apple Music, if you utilize YouTube Music, every music platform that is available, Yes, No, Maybe, So is available to you. You can actually go download it now. You can go stream it now. Uh, In the next couple of days, Actually, next Monday, we'll be releasing the very first, the official Yes, No, Maybe So music video. It'll be on my YouTube page, Lance Thompson Music. Make sure you go check it out. It's a very fun, energetic music video. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel so you can keep up to date with everything that I'm doing musically. And if you want to know more about Dream Big, you can actually go to lbtenterprise.com and click on the Dream Big link. You'll be able to see a video about what we actually do in the schools and read more information about it. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can actually email us at Group at, at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear about your schools. If you have a young person that uh, has a school and you would love us to come visit and come do a show for them and speak into their lives, we would love to be there. But Uncle Dan, thank you so much for this opportunity. And thank you so much for sharing your space and your time and all of your viewers uh, with me. God bless you all. God bless you, Uncle Dan. Love you so much.
2: And the feeling is mutual. You guys have a great day, and I'm so excited. I know this, and you know what I'm going to say. We know <laughs> the best
0: is, yet, is to come. yet to come.
2: Lance Thompson, thank you, my son. <laughs> thank you, Uncle Dan. Have a good day.
9: Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new Omelette Bites from Duncan. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Duncan. America runs you on Duncan.
10: Ready to take your Jenga skills to the next level? If you well, are an all-star gonna, building towers and balancing blocks, blocks and it's then build be, up it's the competition in new, new Jenga later. Maker. Play and tweaks the finish first.
2: Jenga, a new uh, Jenga Maker. Reach doors. the top of
10: your game, each uh, sold separately.
2: You've got a great message. It's amazing, he's really, talking about really motorcycle insurance. insurance, and people love it. And of course,
4: they
3: love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that.
1: You deserve to save, <laughs> heard that before. You deserve to save. I, I know. know. I need you to hear me. You the message you to, save. to save. I
2: deserve, I deserve to save. Great. Tell you what
1: I'll do. I Infinity mean, has Go a together. way of making I'll you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com. Make it be a hey, what's the biggest number bite, you can think of? A trillion,
7: billion, zillion.
1: That's pretty big. How about you? Then, uh, obviously, you can okay. Anybody here? How about you? you
7: infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and in one.
1: All right. Buddy, Actually, we you. are looking for infinity plus infinity. Season. Sorry.
7: What about infinity times infinity? Oh.
4: It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T
1: has the nation's largest 4G network.
6: Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials, excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials.
2: Well, I told you going into that interview that we just did with Lance Thompson that House Republicans are behind closed doors. They're doing whatever they can do to come up with a... House speaker. I don't think many people realize this. The government can't do anything without the House of Representatives, where all financial legislation has got to come from, and they can't have a meeting. They can't even get together without having a House speaker. So as they're dealing with choosing somebody to replace Kevin McCarthy, they're also looking at perhaps changing the rule that allowed the vote to remove Kevin McCarthy a week ago. Matt Gaetz from Florida, he was the the one guy that used what's called the motion to vacate rule in the House to oust his GOP colleague. Several other Republicans joined Democrats in the historic vote to remove McCarthy from the leadership position. It's never been done before. Never has a House speaker been removed. But now, along with finding a replacement, a group of Republicans are looking to make sure things don't play out this way ever again for future House speakers, and they're butting heads with their colleagues who defend the rule. You know, is it just me? I mean, I'm a conservative. I'm not a Republican. I'm being honest with you. I'm a registered independent. But is it just me? But it seems like Republicans are constantly trying to get each other to make up their minds whereas on the democrat side they're all same simple thinkers they agree on everything they're straight down the line for their particular preferences and everybody seems to agree almost all the time not so with republicans in an open letter penned last week a group of 45 house republicans They shared their thoughts on changing that motion to vacate rule and their anger over the chaos caucus. That's what they're calling it because eight Republicans joined the minority Democrats to remove McCarthy. Every Democrat voted to remove him. Of course, that's no big deal. I would expect nothing but that. The injustice we all witness cannot go unaddressed lest we bear responsibility for the consequences that follow. Our conference must address fundamental changes to the structure of our majority to ensure success for the American people. That's from that letter. The Republican members said they were ashamed and embarrassed. I wasn't a Republican, but I was ashamed and embarrassed by what happened with less than 4% Of the members of the Republican conference, less than 4% joined with all their Democrat buddies to override the will of the remaining 96% of House Republicans on one of the most consequential votes the House has taken in over a century. As I said, it's never happened before. So, I set it up. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think? Do you think they'll get anything done today? Honestly, I don't see any way that they're going to be able to pull together and get something done. It seems like they're all over the map every time they get in to the middle of a controversial topic or subject or piece of legislation. Now, don't get me wrong. That's part of the democratic process. And when I mentioned what I did about those on the other side, not ever seeming to do that, there's a reason for that. It's called mob rule. Now, I'm not going after Democrats at all. I'm just telling you there is a reason why they almost vote totally in step with each other when they take any legislative action. It's because they're one-minded. They leave very little room for dissent. In fact, it's almost a death sentence If you disagree with Democrat Party leadership in the House or the Senate, they'll come after you aggressively. They just don't wash their laundry in the view of the American public. That's the only difference. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think they'll get anything done today, but, you know, I don't know that. I hope they do. We need to get down to business We've got some time restraints on getting a budget put together. Would you agree? I think we need to get that done. So let's circle back to the local impact. When I say local, I'm talking about here in the U.S. of this mess with Hamas and Israel. Four socialist representatives in Congress. Four. They remained silent after the New York City Democrat socialist. They held a pro Hamas rally Sunday following the terrorist attacks on Israel that killed hundreds. Who are they? Representative Cory Bush from Missouri, Rashida Tlaib from Michigan, I believe, Gary Kassar, and Shri Thanador didn't respond to multiple inquiries regarding the New York City DSA's rally in Times Square following a brutal terrorist attack in Israel. Over 900 people killed during the initial attack, along with dozens kidnapped, 5,000 rockets fired at the country. Rally-goers burned an Israeli flag. That made me sick at my stomach when I saw it. In New York City, burned an Israeli flag. Wave Palestinian flags at the New York City DSA's rally rally in Times Square. That was just one day after Hamas did their thing. Democrat Representative Jamal Bowen and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, they did not respond to inquiries getting or trying to get a statement from them on their position. But they put out public statements condemning the New York City Democrat Socialist rally. That organization backs the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions movement. I don't know what the heck that is, do you? The movement advocates for withdrawing U.S. support to Israel. There we go. The DSA supports Palestine's struggle against apartheid, colonialism, and military occupation, and for equality, human rights, and self-determination, including the boycott, divestment, and sanctions BDS movement. That's coming from its own website. A bunch of New York Democrat officials condemned the rally, like Governor Kathy Hochul, Representative Hakeem Jeffries, and New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Thanador did not respond to requests for comment. None of them. None of them, members of the squad, will go on camera and answer questions about the specifics of what's going on in Israel and Gaza. They will not go on record. They're running, and I understand why they're embarrassed. Many of them are so vocally Positive for everything to do with specifically Hamas. Rashida Tlaib, representative from Michigan, she is Palestinian. No reasonable thinking, smart American, which she is, can anyway reconcile what Hamas has been and is doing. And then yesterday, I don't know if you heard it, but Syria from the east side. Of Israel, fired a bunch of rockets into Israel. Hezbollah from the north side, Lebanon up that way, fired rockets. So it's like it's mob rule again. This is just absolutely crazy. You know who Senator Tom Cotton is of Arkansas? Very, very well spoken man, very conservative. He blasted national security spokesman John Kirby. Used to be Admiral John Kirby. I guess he kept it, but he goes by just a spokesman, national security spokesman. He defended Biden's focus on climate change after Hamas attacked Israel. This just frosted me when I saw what Kirby had to say. He was asked in a press briefing yesterday about what is the most important thing, negative thing, out there in the world pertaining to the United States. And one would think it would be terrorist activities, something to that effect. But he was asked specifically, does the president still believe that climate change is the greatest challenge to America that there is? John Kirby doubled down on what Biden said. He said no. That's not what the president said. He said it's the greatest existential threat to the world. When he said that, Cotton, of course, took issue with it. He stood by what Joe Biden said. Not, not Cotton stood by, but John Kirby did from the podium. These are not serious people, Senator Cotton told America Reports host Sandra Smith. John Kirby is talking about climate change? at a time when Hamas has cut off the heads of babies in Israel? Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, has said a couple of weeks ago the Middle East is as quiet as it's been in 20 years. We had 11 Americans, at least 11 killed, even more potentially taken hostage or missing. We haven't heard publicity from the president in days. This administration is overmatched by events and paralyzed in a crisis. And we're still stuck on the numbers. They've changed a little bit on the Israeli side. 1,100 people, including 14 American citizens, have been killed since Hamas struck those multiple locations in southern Israel on Saturday. Troops, by the way, in case you didn't know this, troops from the United States Special Operations Command, SOCOM, They've been put on alert for potential hostage rescue missions to free Americans held by Hamas in Gaza. Now, here we go again. What is this president willing to do, give up, or give for hostage releases? He did it two months ago. Six billion dollars he gave up to Iran to release five Americans. $6 billion, and he thought there would be no repercussions in doing so. He felt like that was the right thing to do. (laughs) Talk about make a statement for the rest of the world. Every terrorist organization on the planet thought, ding, 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 I smell money, I smell opportunity, let's go get us some Americans, we can hold them hostage. So what did, what did Biden say when he came out yesterday? I have the audio. I'm not going to play it for you. It was nauseating. He condemned the bloody hand of Hamas, even as some congressional Democrats have expressed ambiguity about the terrorist group's bloody incursion on Saturday into Israel. Here's what the president said. This is an act of sheer evil. More than 1,000 civilians slaughtered in Israel— Along with them, at least 14 American citizens killed. And he noted that his top priority is rescuing Americans being held hostage by Hamas. His national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, later told reporters in a briefing that 20 Americans in Israel are unaccounted for. Sullivan said he could not confirm whether they are all hostages. The U.S. is providing assistance to Israel in the form of equipment, and advisors, but not military personnel, Sullivan said. And I've been wondering all along, is this administration even going to consider boots on the ground over there? Because I can tell you this, if that is what is done, you can book it, we've got World War III on our hands. Sullivan said, and this made me want to puke, that the Biden administration has not confirmed Iran's role in Hamas's attack over the weekend. Sullivan noted that not a dollar of that $6 billion in sanctions relief to Iran has been released yet, but declined to say whether the U.S. would freeze the funds. They keep saying it's earmarked for humanitarian things, for medicine, for food. They can't touch it unless it's used directly for those things that they agree to. Yeah, right. You're negotiating with a terrorist country full of terrorist leaders, and you're trusting them, to be honest? Well, we have to okay it to release all or parts of that money, so we we know where it's going. But do you know? Is there any way to guarantee what it's going to be used for? Well, we just won't give them the money. Money under these circumstances is what's called fungible. So, Iran looks at that $6 billion in the bank in Qatar, which is where it's supposed to be, and they see, well, we've got that over there stashed. That means it frees up $6 billion over here that we were going to have to use for those things. So, we'll just use this $6 billion over here we have that we're not going to have to use for humanitarian kind of things. And we'll use that to buy some rockets and some missiles, help us help us create another nuke or two using the Americans' own money. And then later on, we'll draw down on that other $6 billion for the humanitarian things. And our leaders never thought of that. Some congressional Democrats, among them Ilhan Omar, Democrat of Minnesota, and she she is Palestinian, have condemned Israel for its response to Hamas's attack. Biden sought to make it clear where the White House stood. Meanwhile, Blinken, Antony Blinken, Secretary of State, first tweeted, and then he deleted real quickly, a statement about the need for a ceasefire. Now think about that. Why, oh why, would anybody in the U.S. government not condemn what Hamas did Saturday with no attacks on them at all, and they started slaughtering Israeli people? And then our Secretary of State would go public and call for Israel to instigate a ceasefire, not to retaliate? Listen, if we had a Pearl Harbor kind of thing that shocked us like it did on that Sunday morning way back in World War II and we didn't respond because some politician said, no, we're not going to do what they did. We're not going to go after them. I'd want whoever said that gone. Biden said he was going to ask Congress for a funding package for Israel, which quickly declared war on Hamas, by the way, which has governed the Gaza Strip since Israel pulled out its settlers in 2007. The president said Hamas's attack on Israel, which included the killing of more than 1,000 and the kidnapping of hundreds, brings to mind the worst rampages of ISIS— Let me get you to think for just a second. Let me ask you a question. Would this have happened if Donald Trump was president in the White House? And if you're one of those that'll say, well, yeah, probably he would handle it the same way. Let me give you an exact example of what Donald Trump did when, oh, I don't know, when Iran went after and killed an American. You remember that? What did Donald Trump do? First thing he did is he put Iran on notice. We know what you did, and you know our stance on what we do when foreign people kill Americans. What did Donald Trump do? He missiled Iran's top general, Soleimani, Remember that? But Donald Trump wasn't finished. Here's the difference, one difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Joe Biden, of course, he's up to his eyeballs in obligation to Iran. Every American knows that. So maybe Biden doesn't have the kahunas to do what Donald Trump did. But Trump didn't just missile and kill Soleimani. He made a phone call. And he told the leaders in Iran, if you retaliate, you will regret it. You've seen what we will do to terrorists when they attack us. Iran didn't do another thing. Hadn't done anything until what? Joe Biden's president. And we have another year and a half of Joe Biden. State Department spokesperson Matthew Miller, he got frustrated with reporters who chose to focus on Palestinians rather than to acknowledge the recent suffering of Israel during a press briefing yesterday. Israel began counter-offensive measures in Gaza after Hamas did their thing on Saturday and Sunday. The president said that Hamas is motivated solely by the quest to kill Jews, stated Saeed Erekat, a reporter at Palestinian newspaper Al Quds. Do you believe that? Hamas's sole motivation is to go out and kill Jews? There's no context, the reporter asked. I have to say, Saeed That's a bit of a surprising question after what we saw Hamas carry out this weekend, Miller said. When we saw Hamas go in and deliberately target Israeli citizens, not just soldiers in the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, but women, children, we all saw the images across our television screens of Hamas behaving in the most inhumane ways possible. And then another reporter, Max Blumenthal, at the Grey Zone News challenged Miller about the potential fallout that Palestinian civilians could suffer during Israel's counter-strike efforts in the Gaza Strip, given the strong language of Israeli leadership. Miller responded that Israel will abide by international law, and the U.S. may not agree with all statements made by Israeli leaders, but once again, note his surprise that he was continuing to feel questions that seemed to disregard Israel's right to defend itself in the face of a brutal terrorist organization. Number one, we expect, as we said, that Israel will conduct its operations in accordance with international law. And this is Miller again. Number two, there are going to be a number of statements made over the course of this conflict, and when we have disagreements with them, we'll make those known privately. But some of the questions I'm getting do seem to ignore the fact that Israel just had hundreds of its citizens killed, people who were taken hostage, and pretend that Israel should not be able to conduct operations to defend itself and hold accountable the terrorists who kill civilians. Blumenthal begins shouting Miller down, asking him to realize that dozens of Palestinian children have been killed. Miller responded that it's not the policy of Israel to engage in conflicts with civilians, unlike Hamas, which routinely kills innocent people, including their own citizens, and captures others as shield to protect itself. And by the way, in case you didn't know this, they hide the Palestinian Hamas rebels. They hide their military hardware, missiles, guns, they hide it among civilians across Gaza in places like elementary schools and hospitals. And they do that because they know that honest countries are not going to go after and take a chance of killing innocent people who are patients in a hospital or workers there are also teachers and students in schools they don't care about those people but they know that israel and the united states and other nations do are very careful they don't want to harm civilians the hamas terrorists who launched these operations there's no one who has more disregard for palestinian civilian life than those terrorists this is miller talking again Those terrorists launched this activity knowing there would be retaliation, knowing that Israel would have to defend itself as any country would do, knowing that it would lead to the unfortunate loss of civilian life, and they did it anyway. Sam Husseini, a journalist who has made comments critical of Israel since these Hamas terrorist attacks started, joined with Blumenthal and started yelling at Miller as he tried to call on other reporters. I would encourage you, to not talk over your colleague. So even in the press briefing room, there's a bunch of divisiveness. Why did Hamas do this? Has anybody thought about that? The attack on Hamas launched, that they launched on Israel on Saturday, was a genocidal, savage rampage by uncontrollable militants who are simply trying to destroy Jews. Think about it. Hundreds of Israelis were killed. 14 Americans numbered among that. And the death toll is over 1,100 right now, and it's going up. These reports of Hamas torturing Israeli citizens and beheading babies are appalling it shows you what these people are capable of. And they started talking about specifics. I want to read you a part. I told you at the top of the show, I'm getting all kinds of texts and emails and letters from around the world. This is from one couple. Battlestein is their name. Today was a difficult for us on many levels. We have a neighbor whose daughter was called up to active duty. We visited her and her mother. They were distressed at the incredible violence by Hamas and that their daughter is now in harm's way. Together we watched the IDF take news reporters from all over the world into Kibbutz Kfar Aza. The world's media reported live from there, showing scenes not seen in the modern world of the cold-blooded murder, and slaughter of women and children. At least 40 babies were murdered by Hamas terrorists on Saturday. Whole families were found handcuffed and shot in their heads or beheaded or both. Several soldiers' bodies were decapitated. Young women that were held hostage were repeatedly raped. What kind of religion would train their young men to commit such acts Only the most demonic, sadistic, and barbaric people on planet Earth commit such horrendous acts. To make matters worse, the rest of the people in Gaza cheered and welcomed them back as war heroes. They're no different from the ones who murdered innocent Israeli men, women, children, and babies in cold blood. Watching this and then watching scenes of Israelis burying their dead was gut-wrenching. That's just one paragraph. And I probably have 50 here in my hands, and I didn't print them all off. There's probably another 50 to 100 people are beside themselves. People are scared to death. This kind of stuff is not supposed to happen in today's world. And certainly not over there, where Israel is a... I mean, it's a first-line nation. Now we understand Hamas is a group of terrorists, but we've been led to lead. Uh, we've been led to believe through the years that the Palestinians—they're just hardworking people that want to be recognized and given another patch of ground besides one that Israel wants to give them to call their own. We're supposed to believe that. But how do you think you're going to get anybody at a negotiating table when you decapitate a bunch of babies and then take a bunch of children, second and third graders, tie them up, pour gasoline on them, set them on fire and watch them burn to death? How can you reconcile that? And it's not just happening in Gaza and Israel. Turkish President Erdogan claimed during a press conference yesterday the U.S. was sending an aircraft carrier strike group to the eastern Mediterranean to commit massacres in Gaza. This is Turkey, folks. You realize Turkey is a member of NATO. We're a member of NATO, the North American Treaty Organization. And when somebody attacks any member of NATO... Their obligation of all the NATO countries is to act like and respond as if each NATO member is being attacked. Pentagon announced Sunday aircraft carrier USS Gerald Ford and its escorts are deploying to the region in response to the attack by Hamas. What is the purpose of the aircraft carrier and what is coming to? Erdogan asked. The U.S. is sending an aircraft carrier to Israel, he said. What will it do with all its boats and aircraft around this ship, Erdogan continued. It'll carry out very serious massacres by striking all of Gaza and its surroundings, dropping bombs. Gerald Ford, that's the lead ship of a new class of aircraft carrier. It carries over 75 aircraft. And those include F-35C Lightnings and F-A-18EF Super Hornet Strike Fighters, E-2D Hawkeye Radar Planes, and MH-60 Helicopters. It's full. The Ford is escorted by the Ticonderoga-class cruiser USS Normandy for Arleigh Burke-class guided missile destroyers. That's according to a release from the U.S. Central Command. Turkey's, Erdogan's regime. They have supported Hamas in the past. That's according to the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs, and they've allowed the terrorist group's military wing to have an office in Istanbul. Erdogan also ripped Israel after a May thirty first, 2010 raid on a flotilla of ships trying to break an Israeli blockade of Gaza. Israeli military forces launched airstrikes into Gaza in the wake of these Hamas attacks, you've probably seen the devastation. It is horrible. It is absolutely horrible. So if you're into watching anything but the news shows the last few days, and I can only take so much of it. I mean, this is what I do. I've got to stay on top of things. I've got to be topical every time I open a microphone in our studio and make sure I'm informing people about the important things that you all want. So here's one thing that I do not and did not watch, The View. Oh my God, you're not going there, Dan. Well, they went there, so I got to go there. Co-host Joy Behar, she mentioned Russian President Vladimir Putin and former President Trump when speculating about who was behind Saturday's deadly attack by Hamas. I can't believe, is she that stupid. I'm not questioning that she's stupid, but is she that stupid? She said, I would like to know who is behind it. I would think Putin is sitting there saying, wow, so maybe they won't send them to Ukraine. They won't send the money to Ukraine right now, Behar says to her fellow panelists. The Islamic Revolutionary Guard The IRGC, an Iranian military force, reportedly aided the terrorist group in planning the attack. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. But it's not according to President Biden. He didn't even mention Iran in the only address he's made about this. He talked about Hamas. Iran's the one that funded it, gave them all the military stuff that they needed, and also trained them on how to do it. Bayar said, I'm suspicious of this. And what did Donald Trump tell Putin when he was in Helsinki? (laughs) They were were together. He went to Helsinki, what, five years ago? (laughs) What did Donald Trump tell Putin when he was in Helsinki? These are questions that need to be answered in this country. I'd like to hear the answers to those questions. I, Joy Behar, would like to know what the dirt is that you have on some executive at ABC that would continue to let you be on a network show. I'd like to know where the $6 billion came from. Co-host Sunny Hostin chimed in the Biden administration reached an agreement with Iran to release five Americans, we told you this, in exchange for getting South Korea to release $6 billion in frozen oil dollars to the Central Bank of Qatar for humanitarian purposes. Even Joy Behar, for her to come up and put Donald Trump in that conversation, that... (laughs) (laughs) That is just taking it a little bit far. I can't imagine. Do you know, I don't know if you know this, do you know that at one time she was a stand-up comic? Can you see her in a comedy club doing a stand-up routine? I couldn't stand to listen to her screeching for five minutes. Every time she opens her mouth, she screeches. But apparently the stand-up comedy thing didn't work, so she blackmailed somebody at ABC to give her a job. (laughs) I don't know how, but she's there.
3: Brian, open the door, please. Hey, Dad. Your music
8: is as loud as a jet engine. But, Dad, a jet engine can reach 140 decibels. Well, yes. Well, the loudest commercial speaker is about 97 decibels. Uh, uh Uh-huh. So, you
10: see, the comparison is flawed. Uh, Yeah,
7: but... Nice talk, Dad.
1: Teens will be teens, but one smart teenager will be a Jeopardy! champ. The $100,000 Jeopardy! Teen Tournament starts Wednesday. The following is an important, time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. What? crawl or lullagag to Staples and you will not miss this opportunity these are everyday price cuts take a 4 pack of AA Duracell batteries was 4.79 now just 2.99 Budweiser presents the world's first star in your own radio commercial. Okay, guys, whenever you hear this sound, insert your name. Hi there. Your name. Sorry I'm late. Sometimes there just aren't enough hours in the day to be a neurosurgeon and a swimwear model. Oh, am I thirsty. How about it? Your name. Got anything tall and cool? Oh, Budweiser long necks, though. Your name. You are so thoughtful. But of course, Bud's the first choice for every occasion. Ah, you know I have a confession to make. If I ever had a son, I'd want to name him. Your name. Oh. Your name. Come here. Now. Mm. Your name. Your name. Your name. Well, you did very well in your first commercial. Have a Bud. You've earned it.
10: This Bud's fun.
1: Your name. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network.
2: About a half hour ago, when Lance Thompson was with us, I mentioned for his benefit that Listening live around the world, we have people that we're listening in from Australia and New Zealand and parts of Europe. We also have people from, obviously, around the United States that are listening. We have a regular, large audience that tune in from New York City. And I don't talk specifically to these groups ever, but I feel compelled to do this right now. For those of you that live in not just New York City but in the greater New York City area, New Jersey, my favorite place on the globe to go has always been Manhattan. Now, that's strange coming from somebody from Louisiana that grew up at the Redneck Riviera. That's the northwest coast of Florida, Destin, Fort Walton, where that sand is bleached white and the water is pure blue, clear, clear blue water all the time. I love Manhattan. Best barbecue restaurant in the world is Virgil's. Virgil's. <laughs> I bet nobody can believe that. I go to Manhattan to have barbecue. Look, whatever food you like, you're going to find a great version of it in Manhattan. My wife, her favorite restaurant is the River Cafe. And for those of you in Manhattan, you know right where it is. You cross over the Brooklyn Bridge, take the first right, circle back around and it's on a barge. I'm just saying, Manhattan is one of the greatest cities ever. There are things, anything you want, you're going to find the best version of it somewhere in New York City or in that area. And with the stuff that's going on that you folks are having to deal with, I just shake my head and can't believe the leadership there are okay with watching all of the negative things that are happening around the United States, but they find themselves into New York, specifically Manhattan, most of it. And I get it. It's because it's a melting pot. People come from all over the world with all kinds of philosophies of every kind, and they want to make a life, make a statement, and do it in New York City. I get all of that. But you New Yorkers... You don't deserve what you've got right now. And we pray every day. I'm part of a prayer meeting at the church that we attend. Uh, I'm in leadership in it every morning, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. for 30 minutes. I pray for New York City every day. I pray for New Yorkers every day. I pray for the United States of America. We've got to get our arms around going back to where we were when this nation was established. And it wasn't perfect. It's still not perfect. But it has been for 240 years the greatest country on the planet with the best constitution of any country ever in world history. And it is built around us. We the people. And we have a government not just at the national level, many state levels. We have people in government that are trying to seize control of the whole nation and somehow to make it change to the utopia that they're looking for. And what they're looking for is not what they want. Believe me, when they get it, they're going to understand we shouldn't have done this. We shouldn't have gone down that road but I just want you people to know up there in the Big Apple, down here in the South, we got your back, and we're keeping you in prayer. And somehow, I don't know how I can say this, but I believe what I'm going to tell you, it's going to get better. It may take a few nasty, catastrophic things. I hate to even think it might be like the one that Israel Israel is under right now, being attacked from uh, the West, the South, by Hamas, by Hezbollah, from out of Lebanon, and with uh, more—not more—missiles uh, and rockets being fired from the northeast up there from Syria. I hope stuff like that never comes to the United States of America. But if it does, you know what? We've survived really, really bad stuff from the outside. You guys in New York, nine eleven. We'll never forget where we were on that day and how it impacted us and the rest of our fellow Americans. We'll never forget that. Nobody should. We'll never forget World War II. We'll never forget Vietnam. We, whenever we get into really bad things that are without our control, and we have to push back against evil that comes from outside our nation, and by the way, sometimes from within. It proves that we still are one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Do we have it perfect? No, we had not got it there yet. Perfection, I don't know that we'll ever get it there, but what we have is the ability to find ways to get along with people that we are not like-minded with. And often that comes down to this one thing, We just agree that we're not the same. But we agree that we're gonna be calm, we're gonna be respectful, I may not like, I may deplore the way you think about politics, and vice versa, but what we have done on the most part in our history is agree to disagree with people like that. And that's okay, everybody has equal rights. To believe anything you want to, to not believe anything you don't want to believe. You don't have to. But everybody here has equal rights under the law. And our leaders, sadly, are beginning to tear apart the structure of the rule of law. Look at what's happening in our Department of Justice Look at what's happening as Merrick Garland, the attorney general, has opened up the door and let agencies below him and people that work directly for him destroy the rule of law, weaponizing the power of the Department of Justice against we the people, individually in some cases, groups of us in other cases, and thumbing their noses at us saying, you know why we're doing that? Because we can And so, what happens when stuff like this happens, not just here, but any nation? Fear begins to surreptitiously sweep into our towns, our cities, and we begin to be afraid of our government. That's what oligarchies and authoritarian nations are looking for a small group of people that basically own the operation of a government, and anything they say goes. And they make all the rules. They may have the populace fooled a little bit, a little while. But the truth always comes out, even here. We've had leadership in the past that hasn't been good. But we the people have made the changes. Sometimes we vote the wrong people into office. I'm not going to name names. I can look back in my 70 years. I wasn't cognizant of politics until I was about 12 or 13 years old. And I began to watch, we've had a lot of national leaders since I was 12. That would be a 50, 52 years. I'm old. <laughs> we've had a lot of leaders that left a lot of bad things in their wake when they left office. But we, the people have always been able to handle it. You know why? First of all, we're one nation under God. Secondly, the rule of law that we all grew up with, the majority of Americans still embrace it. And as long as that's there and there is accountability, lawlessness will not take over the nation. Like the mob rule, the rulers in the mob have been trying to get going with and perpetrate it, make it part of who we are for close to a decade now. We the people are going to wake up. In the meantime, we down here in the South, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for you up there in the Big Apple and you out in California, Long Beach, California, Seattle, Washington, Auckland, New Zealand. People from those places listen to this show. And you know why they are? Because they're getting the truth. They're getting positive stuff. But they're being told the truth and being trusted to get the truth and to process it themselves and come up after looking at evidence and facts, what's best for them and those in their direct lives. That's what freedom is all about. Do you think, let me ask you this, do you believe that climate change is real? Well, let me, let me just elaborate on what I mean when I say climate change. I'm not talking about the climate changing one day to the next. I'm not talking about, well, it rained yesterday, it's not raining today. Well, it was cold yesterday, but it's hot today. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somewhere, somehow, even if it's just Mother Nature, is weaponizing the destruction of changing our climate and it's going to destroy humanity. Do you really believe that? If you do, drop me drop me an email. I've got a documentary that includes 1600 climate scientists that tear this whole climate change thing apart and give scientific evidence to prove the things that they say about climate change. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. And I'll send you that. I want you to see it and read it. I'm not gonna try to change your mind. We'll throw stuff out there. One thing we do here, just because you think something's right, doesn't make it right. Just because you think something's wrong, doesn't mean it's wrong either. We throw out facts. We give them to you, whether you believe them, whether you take them and research for your own, get your own facts and understand it. That's up to you. But I'm talking about science that doesn't need to be explained. But there is an explanation for all of it if you demand that. A top national security spokesman on Monday this week doubled down on President Biden's view that climate change is a more serious threat than a nuclear war. John Kirby, Admiral John Kirby, National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications. That's his title now. And he said that during a Fox News interview. He said that Biden absolutely stands by his September remarks in which he said that climate change is even more frightening than nuclear war. Given that the United States is now involved in wars in Europe and also in the Middle East, given all the nuclear players in these two areas where we are now engaged, John Kirby, this is Martha McCallum of Fox News, asking Admiral Kirby, does the president still stand by that comment? And here's Kirby's respond. Absolutely, he does. Climate change is an existential threat. It actually is capable of wiping out all human life on Earth over time, Kirby said. I don't know how more existential you can get than that, but that doesn't mean that we walk away from our obligations of our national security interests. I don't know about you, but when I hear somebody in this serious and important a position, he is in the White House. He's there every day. And he comes out a learned guy, a very successful career in the Navy, left the Navy as an admiral, and he's still making that point. The U.S. has been involved in a proxy war against nuclear-armed Russia since February 22nd in Ukraine, 2022 in Ukraine. Russia has issued threats pretty much nonstop to use nuclear weapons several times since the war with Ukraine began. The U.S. now risk heightened tensions with Iran, given that American support of Israel and Iran's support of Hamas, you roll all of that in and it looks like we have two nuclear powerhouses that are lining up to be against each other. We all know what Hamas has done. And we also all know what the United States has done and where we are and what we believe and what our freedoms are. We just all need to stop trying to yell over the top of everybody else around us. We need to talk to each other, have reasonable conversations, compare notes, and share facts, challenge people. Hey, I know you can believe differently than me, but I want you to consider this. And if you've got different things, evidence, that you want me to consider, please give it to me, because I want to consider it. I may be wrong unless we can all get in at least that place, maybe not even going to the next place, but if at and in some way we can get to a place where we can agree, sometimes we're in agreement, it's only going to be we agree to disagree. We're never going to be able to get rid of this. An Israeli mother whose young sons were counted among those abducted by Hamas smacked down an MSNBC anchor's attempt at finding symmetry amidst this counteroffensive on Gaza. It's against humanity. It's against anything that we all believe in. Renana Gome, away from her home in the southern Israel kibbutz of Oz at the time Hamas launched its heinous attack, She was on the phone with her 12-year-old son as terrorists abducted him and his 16-year-old brother. She said, and she doesn't know, she has no idea about her sons, where they are. She said, I can't be sympathetic to animal human beings. Well, they're not really human beings, she said, who came into my home, broke everything, stole everything, took my children from their bedrooms, ...and took them to the Gaza Strip. After the mother had expressed her grief and concern for her boys... ...with the hope that they were being held with people that know... ...so as not to be alone... ...Mitchell pivoted to her guest's feelings about the attacks in Gaza... ...earning herself a reality check. You're looking for a symmetrical situation? And I must say, it isn't, the mother said... If you are dealing with a war who is between two countries, countries don't take children hostages. I'm sorry. It's against the laws of war. It's against humanity. It's against anything that we all believe in, she said. Every time we had missiles shot at us, I used to say to my children that they should be sympathetic toward the children of Gaza because they suffer a lot more than our kids do. I'm not sure I still believe it now. And then there is this woman this morning. Steve Ducey had her own Fox and Friends.
8: Listen to her plight. In the meantime, at least four Israelis were taken hostage by Hamas over the weekend. They were killed shortly after that, according to the terror group. And newly surfaced video shows Hamas militants walking with those civilians whose hands are tied behind their backs. In another video, four lifeless bodies with the same physical characteristics as the hostages are seen in the street, dead. Our next guest recognized her mother's cousin as one of the hostage victims in that video. Liel Silfer joins us right now. Liel, good morning to you. Good morning. I know this is gonna be a tough uh, story to talk about. Your mother's cousin, Yeah. You saw her in one of those videos, you knew she was alive, she had been taken hostage. Then what happened?
9: She texted us that morning. She was in the house with her husband, her daughter, her son and her daughter-in-law and her little granddaughter, three years old. They were all there celebrating the holiday and she said she was safe and then. We started seeing videos from the terrorists that she'd been taken, reports from her husband that their daughter was taken, their son, their daughter-in-law, their granddaughter. And we just kept searching for news and we didn't know for so many days.
10: Right.
9: And then I saw the video online and I had to tell my family in Israel that I had seen Kineret laying on the ground lifeless and we still haven't recovered her body yet.
8: In addition to that terrible story, her son and his wife and their daughter, right there, we're looking at an image right there, they were also taken, they were put in a car by Hamas. They were. Then, then what happened?
9: So they, they tied Alon's hands, he's Kinneret's son, they tied him together. They pushed the three of them into a truck with four terrorists. They put another member of their kibbutz in the trunk and drove off towards Gaza. Along the way, they saw a tank, and the terrorists stopped the car, and they got out. And at that moment, Alone and Yarden knew that if they didn't do something, they would be as good as dead. And so they jumped. They ran from the car, Yarden holding on to her three-year-old daughter Geffen. And when she couldn't hold Geffen any longer, she passed her to Alon, whose hands were still tied, and they just ran. Alon hid in that field with his little girl for 24 hours until he stopped hearing gunfire and shouting and searching and made his way back to the kibbutz, and thank God they're alive. But Yarden had to hide somewhere else, and we don't know what happened to her. Alone went back the next day and searched and searched, and we haven't found her body or any sign of her. And we have to assume the worst has happened. She's been taken hostage in Gaza. She's with Carmel and so many others, not just Israelis, but Americans and citizens from all over the world.
8: the not knowing is got to be the hard part. You know, you don't know if she is alive. You don't know if she's dead. If she's alive, which is good news,
9: the bad news is she's a human shield. It's, Hamas has told us what they're doing. They've told us for years. This isn't resistance fighters. It, calling it war crimes is even charitable. This is jihad. There are no rules in jihad. There are raping women in fields, they're beheading babies, they're executing the elderly in the street. They're taking back to Gaza to use as human shields. It's, it's, it's appalling, and the world has to step up and get these hostages out.
8: How are we going to do that? I, know, I, I have heard uh, Daily Mail's got a story right now that apparently uh, Delta Force and SEAL Team 6 are in an adjacent country, and if the Israeli military says we need the American help, they could come and perhaps, and it's pure speculation, help extract some of the hostages. Um, we also understand, apparently, hostage negotiation uh, from the United States. We've got some great organizations, the FBI, the military, they can do it. And they're working with their Israeli counterparts. But as you know, Liel, the problem is, as we look at Gaza City, there's a real good chance that the wife, your family member, is underneath one of those buildings that has not been hit yet. And as much as you want justice for your family you gotta know that she could be under you know at the bottom of the next tower that
9: gets blown up it's it's unimaginable it's the worst nightmare possible and not only that we're sending my cousins my friends who have been called up into the reserves into gaza to try to extract them this is not the end of the death toll there will be more to come it, it's unimaginable. And I, I pray, I pray that Carmel and Yarden will come home safely. But you're exactly right. Hamas will stop at nothing. They, they, they are using these people as pawns. They don't want a two-state solution. They want the final solution. And they don't care how many Jews how many Americans, how many of their own people have to die in order for them to wage their jihad.
8: Liel, thank you for telling your story and telling us about your mother's cousin. Thank you.
2: Wow. Could you hear what's going on over there in her voice? It's so obvious. And there are Hundreds, if not millions of people over there that are living not knowing, first of all, what's happened to people around them, family members, friends, workers, don't have any idea what's going on and they don't know what's coming down the pike. But so far, all they can imagine is it only getting worse. Now, let me show you how evil Hamas is. Notice when out this morning, Israeli parents have been warned to keep their kids away from social media apps. Listen to what Hamas is doing. They're using social media apps to upload videos of hostages begging for their lives. Also, the slaughter of hostages, including babies beheaded and children being tied up, set on fire and burned to death. How crass is that? Folks, there's evil everywhere. Be thankful we live in a free nation. Pray for Israel. Pray for Hamas's leaders to wake up and understand The horrors, the unnecessary horrors that are being perpetrated on their watch. We're going to be back here tomorrow, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. Thank you for being here today. And I hope we're together again tomorrow. Wow. Have a great day, folks.
10: So long,
9: like all hope is gone. But as I lift my hands, I understand that I should raise it to my Much pressure fell on